You're in the water loop. Waterloop is a nonprofit media outlet made possible in part by a grant from Springpoint Partners. Visit waterloop.org for all of our content. This is episode number 141, The Market-Based Model of Water.org. Hundreds of millions of people around the world that lack water and sanitation spend money and valuable time to get access. The market-based model of water.org has helped 43 million people to use microloans to gain proper access to water and sanitation and then use the saved money and time to better their lives. The approach is discussed in this episode with Gary White, co-founder and CEO of water.org and author of a new book titled The Worth of Water. Gary also shares stories of how people have lifted themselves out of poverty the role and impact of actor and water.org co-founder Matt Damon, and the path forward for the organization, which includes helping water providers to expand services to reach more people. You're in the Waterloop. Welcome to Waterloop. This is the host, Travis. Thrilled for this episode to be joined by Gary White, co-founder and CEO of water.org. Gary, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Happy to be here, Travis. Yeah, I must say that I I do have your new book, The Worth of Water, and I have to give a little shout out to my mother-in-law, Joan, who as as soon as this was available, she ordered it for me. Uh, I I have read it cover to cover and uh, incredibly informative. Uh, I I really think that you guys made it approachable for people that aren't in water, but fascinating for people that are. So uh, I recommend people read this. Uh, want to dig into your work. Uh, the thing that really jumped out at me, the, the revelation for me when it comes to the, the global problem is that there's a big number of people that can actually pay for water. Uh, that's not the mm-hmm. issue. Could you explain how that is kind of the, one of the key challenges and, and that you're looking to address? Mm-hmm. Sure, Travis. Ha- happy to do that. I think, uh, you know, fr- from my perspective, I've kind of run the gamut in terms of when I was an undergraduate in engineering, trying to focus on like going out and drilling wells for, for people uh, around the world. That's kind of the, the natural instinct, you know, as, a, as an engineer, it's a technical water problem and you have to have to raise money and, and go get wells drilled and then everybody can get water. Well, you know, the, the numbers don't add up when you try to do it with a purely philanthropic approach. And so we cer- certainly ran into that. And and recognizing that there's never going to be enough charity in the world to make this happen, uh, that is definitely a hurdle that you have to get over. Uh, but what we also discovered along the way, you know, having spent you know decades doing this, and and this is what the book is really about: bringing to life the stories and the insights of, of people around the world who lack water. Uh, they're the ones that have the greatest incentive to solve for this. And in fact, when you think about it. You know, everybody in the world today, when they woke up, got water somewhere. Uh, so the issue then becomes, like, how much are they paying for that water, both in terms of their time, but also in terms of their, you know, cash. And what we recognize is that, you know, people are paying a lot of both of those, right? So they're also paying in terms of their health. You know, they're pay- paying in terms of opportunity costs, you know, girls not being in school because of, of water. But the two things we really focused on was that, you know, people uh, are spending hours every day 
walking to collect water, over 771 million people who lack access, uh, and that that time has value, and they could be spending that time at more productive activities. Uh, and then we also recognize that a lot of people in urban areas are really forced to buy water from this kind of secondary market. You know, these water vendor trucks, uh, tanker trucks that come around and sell water, lots of different enterprises that are there. And that water costs a lot, right? That, that water can be 10 to 15 times more per gallon than if you have a connection to, to the water utility. And so that's, that was our discovery. We also discovered, you know, I met a woman in, in India several years ago who was paying uh, a loan shark 125% interest on a loan that she got so she could build a toilet at her home. Microfinance institutions it would normally be the, the channel for getting access to capital to, to do something like that would not lend for water and sanitation because they didn't see it as income generating. You know, you get a, a loan for a sewing machine, you're sewing clothes, and by the end of the week you have cash flow, right? And so what we were able to do is to have you know these insights from people that we met about how they were coping with their water and sanitation issues and then help them get access to small affordable loans by nudging the microfinance sector towards these types of, of loan products and so you know i can just wrap it up this part with kind of a, a very clear story a woman that i met uh, her name was Lena Riza in the philippines and she was paying about sixty dollars a month to one of these water uh, vendors so that she could get water for her family. And so she took out a loan from one of our local uh, finance partners in the Philippines, about $300 or so. And her loan payments on that loan were about $5 a month. Her water bill that she's now paying is about $5 a month. So that's $50, right? Think about that. $50 extra in her pocket every month to put towards the other needs of her family, you know, send her kids to school, buy more nutritious food, et cetera. And so that really is what we discovered, that there are these immense coping costs uh, that are embedded in this system. And people living in poverty, all they need is that little bit of a, of a push to get access to finance so that they can solve their water crisis, their sanitation crisis in a way that's best for them. Mm. Incredible. A lot of different follow-up questions from me on this. Sure. So the model that you all have then, uh, a, an individual out there gets one of these loans, one of these small loans, mm -hmm. a micro loan to put in whatever water treatment, whatever water system they need. Uh, mm -hmm. They get that from some institution, these microfinance institutions. And water.org is kind of above all that. Could you kind of just explain how that how that system works? Sure. So what what when we discovered these insights that like people were already paying for water and that they would, we believe, take out a loan and re repay those loans. And now, if you, if you fast forward, that's about $3.5 billion in these small loans that have happened that have now gone out for water and sanitation. Uh, oftentimes, that's just as simple as a loan as getting connected to the local water utility. You have to pay a water connection fee almost always, and you have to you know get the plumbing to your house in many instances. And so that that kind of uh, nudge that we had to provide to the microfinance institutions so that they would would do that. Now, what what we do as Water.org is we raise philanthropic capital. Uh, of course, uh, to go out and, and do this work. It's not so much that we're using that philanthropic capital, like I say, to go drill wells. We're not even lending 
money directly ourselves as water.org. But what we do is we use those uh, philanthropic resources to kind of go out and de-risk this whole ecosystem, this whole financial ecosystem. So we'll work with microfinance institutions, and now we have about 150 of them uh, you know, throughout the world, to provide grants to them so that they can de-risk this type of lending. So they'll use a grant from us to do market research, to design new loan products, to research water and sanitation interventions that might be right for their clients. So we use a lot of that philanthropic capital basically to correct this market failure between financial institutions and households. And that's kind of our job uh, in this as we, as we try to really create that financial plumbing between the capital markets and people living on, you know, as little as $2 a day, who all they need is a, is a loan, and they can get the, the solution that's, that's best for them. Hmm. Yeah, that was a, a revelation for me also in the book, is the idea that there's people that have water nearby them, even you say, you know, pipes under their house sometime. They just have to be able to connect to that and connect to those resources, and this is a way to do that. Another thing that was interesting like you said, you do get the philanthropic dollars coming in, but this whole model is really based more on kind of the investment side, not a charity, like a lot of people might think, well, you know, a water organization is, right? Mm -hmm. It is. It is very much. I think that was kind of my revelation. I mean, my background is, is in engineering, not so much in finance, but certainly we have we've migrated much more towards a finance organization and hired people with you know, that great expertise to be able to do that. And I think one of the things, you know, we, we talk in the book a lot about, you know, hurdles that we have to clear, you know, you kind of clear one, one hurdle, one roadblock, and then there's another one in front of it. And so certainly demonstrating that people living in poverty are willing and able to pay for these services was one of the big roadblocks to clear. And now like I can say, you know, we've, We've worked uh, with financial partners to, to reach more than 43 million people with this type of approach. But, you know, every time, you know, you clear one hurdle, there's another. So, you know, we were, you know, Matt and I were, uh, you know, in India several years ago and talking to these partners to say, okay, what's keeping you from scaling this up further? And that's where the, their feedback was, you know, we need better access to affordable capital on really a consistent basis. The local capital markets were responding quite a bit, but we also knew that we could probably tap into social impact investing in the, in the U.S. And so our response to that was, well, let's see if we can get you capital at the, the right price so that you can do you know, millions more of these, these microloans for water and sanitation. And that really was the birth of what became water equity. So water equity is the world's first uh, asset manager that's dedicated exclusively to uh, addressing the global water and sanitation crisis for people living in poverty. So we now raise funds through water equity uh, and investors get a financial return on their investment. And then we use those funds that we aggregate uh, to then place debt with these microfinance partners around the world, who then break that into millions of microloans. Those get repaid, you know, water equity gets repaid through its funds, and then it repays investors. So that really was kind of that final linkage of that, that global financial plumbing, where now we can actually, you know, raise 
money from investors. Investors get uh, you know, a competitive financial return on that. And then we can then connect that all the way down to, you know, people living on a few dollars a day to solve their personal water and sanitation crisis. Yeah. And I just want to call attention to the fact you said 43 million people, right? Mm -hmm. 43 million people you've helped gain access to water and or sanitation through this. That's incredible. Uh, did, did you ever envision that, <laughs> that number coming true one day? Well, for sure, you know, even in the early days of this, you know, this goes back to 1990 and starting it up. And certainly, you know, it was the, the vision, and it still is, that everyone in the world has access to safe water and sanitation. So certainly envisioned it, but, you know, never was able to really connect the dots in the early days. You know, when you kind of, you know, poke your head up and say, okay, here's the, here's the problem and here's the, you know, the current, you know, scale of the solution. And th those dis disconnect, right? And so you really, if you're going to be really pursuing a vision as audacious as everybody getting water and sanitation, which really shouldn't be so audacious, mm. but it kind of is, uh, you have to make sure the scale of your solution matches the scale of the problem. And when you look at something so expensive as a you know a trillion dollar problem, really to solve this crisis, you you recognize the only way you're going to get to scale on the solutions if you can connect the capital markets, right? Capital markets, if you can provide the type of return, financial return that's needed, then you can then tap into an unlimited pool of capital, right? Because that's what the capital markets really kind of are. And so that that's what we're trying to do. And we're seeing this uh, not only as investors coming in for the financial return, Obviously, it's the right thing to do from a lot of different levels, right? Just the fact that so many people don't have water and sanitation, a lot of investors come in because of that. Corporate investors that, that come into this are also looking at, you know, what's the ESG that's associated with this? You know, a lot of corporations that have a big water footprint in some of the markets where we operate, they are concerned about their social license to operate. They're concerned about making sure that the water resources that they draw from these watersheds, they're drawing it in an equitable way that local people have access to water and sanitation as well. So we're seeing a lot of interest in, in the part of uh, the, the Water Resilience Coalition, for instance, which has, you know, uh, I think over 30, 40, you know, Fortune 500 companies that are focused on these issues. And now we're partnering with them to give them investment opportunities so they can use their balance sheet as opposed to just their philanthropy in order to be able to, to plug into this. You know, they've committed to reaching 300 million people with access to water. And so by helping them do that through finance as opposed to just, you know, drilling wells, uh, they're going to, I believe, uh, in partnership with us and others, meet that. Hmm. You mentioned being at this for the past couple decades. I think in the book, you know, you're not shy about talking about the failures along the way, hmm. and but actually how you learn from those failures. Um, are there a couple that maybe jump out in your mind more than others that were real, real tough lessons, but key yeah. lessons? Yeah, for for sure. And I think that's, uh, you know, one that comes to mind is when we first went down this road of like, instead of providing grants to water NGOs around the world, we offered them access to some loans. And, uh, you know, one of the things we discovered, it's really hard to turn an NGO into a financial institution. You know, it's just a different kind of culture. It's a different kind of operating model. And so those loans only got repaid back, you know, about 50 cents on the dollar. But we learned from that and then learned that, okay, 
who has that financial expertise? Who can we work through? And that's where the concept of, you know, we had a lot of doors slammed in our face in terms of microfinance institutions when we first started doing this, right? They're like, no, we're, there's no way we're going to make loans for toilets. Like, how, how is that going to work, right? And so it was, it was finally, you know, knocking on enough doors and being persistent enough to find some that were willing to, to do this with us, again, with us providing them grants to kind of de-risk this. And I think that, you know, that learning of like, okay, let's maybe water NGOs aren't the right ones to try to turn into to loan originators. Let's go with the people who, who do. I think one of the other lessons we've learned too is that, uh, you know, philanthropy is incredibly finicky, right? You can, in fact, we've had this experience where we've worked with uh, a lot of funders, uh, you know, have given us, you know, five, 10, sometimes up to $20 million over the course of years. And we go out and, and reach millions of people with water. We go out and exceed all of the metrics that they have for us. But it, then they decide to kind of change, you know, strategies or change philanthropic direction, right? So it's, that's the thing about philanthropy. You can, you can be doing an incredible job, meet all your goals, <laughs> and still, quote-unquote, lose your customers. You know, in the for-profit world, that really doesn't happen so much. If you're performing and you're providing valuable services, it keeps going. So that's, that's something that we've learned. And frank, frankly, that's what we're trying to inoculate ourselves against a little bit. We know that we need philanthropy, but we can't be overly dependent on it. And so as water equity scales up, and it receives management fees. Uh, you know, we we're now we now have about two hundred million dollars in committed capital for water equity that's out there. You know, generating impact, but that generates management fees. You know, from the from the investors. And so, as those fees uh, begin to exceed the cost of running the business, instead of having some you know for profit partners that reap. The, the delta on that yeah. on that revenue that will flow back into to water.org so we're trying to create a sustainable revenue channel as a social enterprise so that we can be less dependent on on philanthropy well yeah fantastic um I want to circle back uh, before we look kind of maybe at where you all are headed going forward. I want to circle back to the people a little bit. You touched on it, but I, it's so critical to talk about the change that happens for people when they get one of these loans and they get water, they get sanitation, uh, what what that is like, how it's transformative, even more than just having the water itself. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And I think we, we tend to take it for granted, right? Because it's just there at the turn of the tap for us. We we are kind of numb to how much potential that unleashes for us uh, in, you know, in the, in the U S and I think that we also tend to dwell a lot like on, on the suffering that is there because people don't have water and sanitation, the disease and the death. And that's all, that's all gut wrenching and, and it should motivate us, but it is that upside potential that, you know, water, is the foundation for everything. And I think, you know, so many people I've met who just, I remember a couple of stories, right? I mean, sure. uh, one woman in India I met, uh, we were there, actually Matt and I were both there on the day that the water was being turned on to her house. And uh, she had a little faucet there on her door stoop and she had lit incense. She had put mm. flowers around that. She'd almost mm. built a shrine to this water faucet that that meant so much to her, right? This was like 
a game changer for her and she saw it not just in a physical context but almost a spiritual context that was that was one that was for me a, a real you know uh, eye opener the other was in Uganda you know not long before covid hit i was there and visiting with this woman and we tell the story of the book her name uh she went by was mama florence she was a grandmother and she would uh, ride her bike uh, around every day searching for like where she could get water to purchase water for her family and she took out a loan with one of our local partners she put in a water storage tank and a pump and now she has water right there at her home. And so what did she do with that? Of course, you know, she has water to drink and water to cook, but then she started raising a garden, right? And then uh, the vegetables that she grew, some of the waste from the, the garden, she would then start feeding to these pigs that were there, and she could water the pigs now. So she was raising pigs for her family and to sell. And then she uh, started making bricks. It just so happens that the soil near her home was uh, of the right type that she could then use the water to make bricks and sell those. And then that wasn't enough. She actually was using the bricks to build an addition onto her little home so that she could then rent out rooms to, to people. So, you know, that, that is what water does. You know, if you don't have water every day, you, you, you know, you can't do anything without it until you get it. But when you do have it, it's, it's transformative for you. Yeah. I love all those little stories in the book about people's lives where they get that water and then they become entrepreneurial. They get that time. They uh, can start doing other things and lift them. You talk a lot in the book about lifting up, lifting themselves up out of poverty um, and just, just really good stuff. Um, so, you know, your partner, Matt Damon, you have one of the biggest movie stars on the planet. Um, but it's clear, you know, through the book and, and through followingwater.org that he's not just a, you know, a celebrity face on this. Could you just talk a little bit about that uh, and to, to set the record straight for people out there that see him and water.org together? Yeah, I know. It's, it's certainly uh, a great partnership uh, for me personally, but also for the organization and the mission. It's just been, you know, it's, you know, 2008, I met Matt and, uh, you know, he had already started H2O Africa with some other folks. And so, was, you know, definitely was aware of what was going on, but it was also self-aware, you know, he'll, he'll talk about this at, at length as well. It's just like, he, he wanted to be doing something and he was, and I think we should all be motivated to do something, but he also had an inkling that maybe, you know, the, their approach wasn't going to be scalable. And that's when, you know, he and I were able to connect and he was able to kind of, you know, see where we had succeeded and failed. And, and then, you know, I saw him as an incredible storyteller, right? Being able to hear him talk about the, the water issues. And so at that point, you know, water.org, we were called water partners. Then we were really, you know, we had a lot of success, but we didn't have a lot of attention. And certainly Matt was able to help us better articulate the story and, and to move forward. So what, what it's, been as an enduring partnership you know that was 2008 you know it's been we merged the following year 2009 so 22 years 23 years uh and he his commitment's only grown you know he'll talk a lot about you know his, he has three things in his life that he focuses on his family his his day job and then water.org and this is, is his commitment and you look uh, at what he's been able to do, you know, our relationship with Stella Artois, for instance, right? So, uh, and, and crypto.com, 
Matt's and, and Water.org have kind of uh, worked with them, and that's driven you know uh, fees for Matt to to do those engagements, and he turns around and donates all of that to to Water.org. He doesn't do those things for his his personal benefit, mm-hmm. and so he he helps at that you know financial level. He's become literally one of the world's water experts. You know, we when we go sit down with people at the World Bank, you know, he he can definitely bring to the fore the issues that we're we're facing and how the solutions work. Uh, you know, we're oftentimes you may have caught us like on Squawk Box on CNBC. Mm. You know, Matt's there really talking about water equity and, and the model. So he he brings gravitas as well as you know a spotlight as well as, you know, long-term financial support. Sure. So one of the other things you do in the book is you talk about the, the big numbers of the people in the world that don't have water, don't have sanitation, and then you break them into three groups on, on how you can kind of approach this. Could you explain uh, that, that breakdown of the, the people in the world and, and how, how the path forward might go to help mm. them? Yeah, so I think what we talk a lot about, I think, is market segmentation in terms of all the people that that have access to water or don't have access to water, and I think that's that's kind of the what's holding back kind of the charity only approach because we just see everybody who lacks water and sanitation as as monolithic, and they all need kind of that that charity in order to help them get water. Certainly, there are people that are at such a dire level of poverty, uh, something like our water credit loan program doesn't really work. And those are the folks who do continue to need subsidies from from government and and other sources so that their basic water needs can be met. Uh, Oftentimes, you know, cross-subsidization in water utilities helps with that, right? Certain people uh, who use a, a lower amount of water might get the first few cubic meters a month for free. And I think that's that's important. But then there's this other market segment uh, that is willing and able to pay for water solutions like a water storage tank, rainwater system, a connection to a utility or a toilet. And, and those are the folks that we're trying to reach. And we really believe this is hundreds of millions of people who, you know, but for having, you know, that access to a small affordable loan – won't be able to to get those things and they're not you know they don't want to wait around for charity forever so if they're just given an opportunity and this is very much a demand driven approach right so we're not we're not like giving people uh, a free well that maybe not may not be maintained but that you know nobody's going to take out a loan for a solution that they don't want and so that's the second part of this segmented market so let's Let's not say all those folks have to wait for charity, but let's give them the opportunity, should they want to take it, to have the finances that they need to to do this. And then, of course, you have other people who won't even need our access that are able to uh, be able to afford it even without that type of, of microloan. Mm. Uh, so going forward, you, I think you've touched on this a little bit, but... What are the, the biggest challenges in front of you to continuing this great trajectory of providing water and sanitation to people? What, what might be some of the, your, your new barriers to expanded progress that you're hitting up against and trying to find ways around? Yeah, I think, you know, as I mentioned, it's, it's, there's always that, you know, philanthropic, you know, mm. capital raising that needs to happen and uh, trying to continue pushing forward on that. Uh, I think what we also see is – 
as we are more successful at being able to to stimulate this demand from the bottom up, you know, people wanting to connect to the utility, being willing to pay a connection fee and a water bill, you know, if they can connect. But what if the pipes aren't there? What if the infrastructure isn't in some of these marginal neighborhoods so that people are able to connect. And that's where we're going with water.org and water equity. We're working much more now with uh, service providers, utilities, uh, to be able to help them get access to, to capital, either through water equity. So water equity is now, uh, it's, its next fund that we'll launch later this year will be focused on infrastructure finance. And so we can see this limitation this on, of the top-down capital. If it's not there, then this bottom-up capital doesn't have any way to, to use that to get access. So that's, that's kind of the next big hurdle for that. You know, we, uh, you know, we've got a great team. We've been able to kind of hire ahead of the curve and develop great expertise in water equity and adding staff, you know, all the time who can help us kind of crack the code on infrastructure finance, because that's not easy, right? You know, low and middle income countries investing in water utilities, water service providers, that's not easy. And there's a lot of kind of, you know, failures in that space. So what we're trying to do is to go into it in a way that is, uh, you know, smart, sustainable. And this is the key thing too, making sure that we have the right partnerships, the right covenants in, in our financial support so that the marginal neighborhoods get served and not just the more affluent ones as we work with utilities. Hmm. Uh, last question for you, uh, you know, about kind of your call to action or your message to others. You, you close in the book talking about how to, to tackle these big numbers to provide water and sanitation, you know, you need to build a wave, right? You need to get mm -hmm. more and more people behind this. So mm -hmm. donations to you all are still incredibly valuable from people. Awareness is valuable. Um, what's your message maybe to the general listener? But then, like I said, uh, a big part of this audience is people that are in the water industry and the water sector, various corners of it. What would you, what would you say to them? Mm. Well, I think uh, one is that hopefully we have a range of, of options that where people can participate. Uh, people, uh, you know, it's, you know, it's buying the book, right? Matt and I are donating all of our author fees for the book back to water.org. So just buying the book really helps support people who, who need water, uh, you know, pass the book along, you know, to, uh, to a family friend, uh, or whatever, uh, you know, if you're in a book club, you know, take it to the book club and put it up for, uh, for a vote. So all of those things really do help. And, the, and those can be very, it's, it's hard to know sometimes how do you contribute to a solution that's half a world away, but those things are real and it helps. And, you know, basically we've got the, our philanthropic cost down to about $5 per person to reach somebody with water because of all that leverage we get by raising the market capital. And so that translates $5 translates into somebody getting access to water. And then I think, you know, for people, individuals, uh, other uh, foundations and, and corporations, especially, you know, the, the, we're always willing to talk to people about grant support and then about investing. Right. So that's, that's the other thing. People, accredited investors actually can come into, into a fund and get that financial return while having impact. So what we want to do is create like a lot of on-ramps for people to be able to do this, uh, whether it's they're motivated by the cause itself or the, the ESG that it might generate. 
by the financial uh, return it might generate or just because they want to know if somebody around the world got water because of what they did. There's lots yeah. of ways. Great, great. Well, Gary, uh, I was really excited to talk to you. I really appreciate your time. Um, it's incredible the work that you're doing. I, I uh, enjoyed the book a lot. I encourage other people to read it for sure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the podcast. To find all episodes, sign up for email updates, and connect on social media, visit waterloop.org. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.